Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And this week we are watching Series 1, Episode 10 of The Avengers, Hunt the Man Down. This was written by Richard Harris and recorded on the 12th of March 1961, transmitted on the 18th of March 1961 in the ABC Midlands and Anglia regions at 10pm. Now, unfortunately, this is one of the lost episodes, the many lost episodes from Series 1. There are no telesnaps, there's no script, there's no reconstruction, and there's only a short synopsis. There were 38 publicity stills from a night shoot in Wood Street, EC2, and it was released on Volume 4 of Big Finish's Avengers Lost Episode series, written by Justin Richards. Now, after Ashes of Roses, the episodes were made and broadcast fortnightly rather than weekly. This was because of the move to start broadcasting across the other regions of the network. So from this point on, the idea of keel and steed forward episodes was largely dropped, although it did happen once or twice later in the series, presumably as the leads had holidays. Now, from a technical point of view, there was a location shoot with filming on Wood Street outside St Albans Church, which is now just a tower, I believe, and a private residence. And most of the rest of the street is gone and unrecognisable. Cash shots show Melissa Stribling and Susan Castle, but not in costume and makeup. So it's not entirely certain whether they were in those chase scenes, although they are in the big finish version, which we'll come on to in a bit. At the time of broadcast, Hot Snow was broadcast in other regions on the same night. So this episode was deliberately made to be exactly the same length as Hot Snow so that it didn't interfere with transmissions and timetabling. One last note is that the actor playing Frank Preston is uncredited, but much, much later on, when the publicity stills were rediscovered, it was identified as Nicholas Selby, because his publicity stills married up to those with an appearance in an episode of The Saint. And again, that's down to the archivist Alan Hayes. Simon, what have we got as a synopsis on this? Uh, synopsis, again taken from Dave Rogers' Ultimate Avengers book, is that... Frank Preston leaves jail to collect his stashed robbery money, but thugs are waiting to beat him up to discover the location of the loot. Steed intervenes and takes Preston to Keel. The gang now believe that Keel knows the location and they kidnap Carol to make the doctor spill the beans. Realising that the thugs are in league with Stella, his wife, Preston forces Keel to attend to his injuries and then enlists his help to find the money. However, before Preston can enjoy it or the thugs can seize it, Steed arrives with the police to arrest them all. And actually, that's not a bad synopsis. I don't think it does the episode justice, but it's not a bad synopsis. Hello, Frank. Stacy. You remember Rocky? Good to see you again, Frank. Yeah, you too, Rocky. So what do you want? The money. Is this where it's hidden? Nah, it was just the first place I passed. I reckon I could sort you pair out. Funny thing with warehouses, you see? They got tools. <laughs> Get it off him! Oh, ah. Where's the money? Excuse me, I would say gentlemen, but that hardly seems correct. Two against one, eh? Not exactly a fair fight. <coughs> yeah. Oh. Who are you? 
Just a concerned passerby. This ain't none of your business. Look out! Stacy, come on, let's get out of here. Yeah, you're right. But we'll be back for you, Frank. Make no mistake. This ain't over, not by a long chalk. That's it. Run along now. What singularly unpleasant people. Well, one of the things I was going to comment on is that there is no script for this episode. So Justin Richards has created this out of thin air based on a very scant synopsis. And one of the things that hit me first was how much this feels like a 1960s episode of The Avengers. The plot is very linear and each scene is filled with what I guess you would call tropes. They're very simple, they're very formulaic but they really, really draw you into the feeling of the time. And once you weave that in with the music, and the incidental music for these is brilliant, but they follow a very linear pattern. So it opens with, you know, setting the scene, man getting released from prison, walking along the street, being followed, ducks into a warehouse, fist fight ensues. Oh, hello. Steed just happens to be passing by, intervenes, fights off the thugs, Oh, look, you've got a wound. Come with me. I know somebody that can help you. And it just sort of inveigles you in. You get to Keel's surgery. Hello. Who's that at this time? Now, look here. What time do you think this... Oh, it's you. And it's all very sort of cliched, but it fits perfectly, absolutely perfectly. And I was, I'd not read the production notes until after I'd listened to the episode. I was quite convinced this was an original script from the 60s, and it's not. I loved this one. I, I agree with you that it fits perfectly into the 60s feel. Again, I'm quite surprised to hear that it's not an original and that it, it is newly written, but equally. I'm not particularly surprised to hear that it was well-written because it's written by Justin Richards, who's an excellent author. Mm, Absolutely. Responsible for a lot of the BBC Doctor Who range. There's a couple of comments that I'd make. And first, the title, Hunt the Man Down. It's a bit misleading because there's not actually any manhunt in this, uh, per se, in the same way that there was in the previous episode. So if you've seen The Radioactive Man and then you see that the next episode is Hunt the Man Down, it's, oh, well, they're doing the same thing all over again, so I might not bother watching it. Yeah, sort of. It's... From a title's point of view, yes, it is. Uh, Although the radioactive man was not supposed to be in the order that it was, as we've covered before. The man that they're hunting down is Preston, who got out of prison. He's the one that's they're chasing his stash of loot. Yeah, but they're they're chasing they're chasing the money. They're not actually chasing him. Pretty much everybody (laughs) knows exactly where Preston is up until the the final reel. There's a bit of a chase at the end, but it's not a manhunt in the same way that the radioactive man was. So no, I'm I'm sort of with you on that. Yes, what they do though is again coming back to the actual production of it. In the Big Finish audio version, the thugs, Rocky and Bullwinkle, what's his bloody name? Stacy. They speak in that very 60s Cockney drawl. And it does work well. The gangsters' moles in these things all sound like Patricia Brake in Porridge. Uh, and all the gangsters sound like Danny out of Withnail and I. That's not the way these things are acted anymore. But Big Finish have... I don't know whether it's by accident or the design or direction, but the Big Finish episodes 
do all play on that 60s way of drama. And I cannot praise these enough from a, a stylistic point of view. I think they fit in with the era perfectly. Yeah, I agree completely. It sounds fantastic. It's it's well written. It fits in with the era. There are flaws. One of them is in the title, which Big Finish didn't have anything to to do with creating. I do like the fact that they reveal who the villain is right early on in the episode. So you've not got any of this diamond cut diamond type nonsense where it's actually pretty obvious who the villain is, but they don't reveal until right at the end. Yeah. That I think worked well. I don't think it detracted from the the drama of it because at the end of the day it wasn't a mystery. It was a it was a crime drama and it worked very well as a crime drama. I I like the fact that Carol's got a bit more experience under her belt and she was able to be fairly cool under pressure and work out what was going on from the photo in the mantelpiece and get the better I, I did like the scene where she she was there with the two the two henchmen who were saying, "How have you worked that out? Did you know?" No, there's that photo of him over on the mantelpiece. I'm not actually blind. Um, I really <laughs> like that bit. In I, itself, it's a very simple episode. There's nothing. There's no great plot to uncover. It's not. There's no marvelous twist that sets it apart from any number of hundreds of other crime dramas from the period or indeed since. But I really enjoyed listening to it. I think part of it is a nostalgia for an era that I was never there for. I do love all this 60s stuff. Yeah. And as with a lot of 60s stuff, it was a it was a really good, well-paced drama where the plot was pretty much entirely driven by the incompetence of the villains. <laughs> Sorry to disagree with that. If the two goons hadn't been so obvious in following Preston, so he'd taken that detour into the warehouse to ambush them and had followed him to where he was getting the money, they could have given him a kicking at that point, disappeared off back to to Stella with it. There wouldn't have been an episode. It's only because they're really shit at their job that there is a plot. And basically, the two of them are a bit stoogy and they're outclassed and outmaneuvered by everybody in the plot even down to Carol, who is the out-and-out amateur. The only competent one and the only one with any brains is Stella. Yes, there is that. I mean, Carol, again, not for the first time now, she's got involved, got kidnapped, tied up and threatened. Now, how many receptionists are going to put up with that sort of shit and stick around? Got to give kudos to Carol for that. Yeah, and she tends to be thought of as as kind of the third wheel. If you look at the publicity in the TV Times cover that the Avengers had, it's all three of the the faces. It's it's all three of the regulars. She's there front and centre with the, with the other two. And well, you know, I'm sort of viewing Carol as the Morgan Freeman character in the uh, the Christian Bale Batman movies. They treat her initially as if she has no idea what's going on when she's fully aware that there's something going on. You know, she plays the ignorance until it becomes impossible not to get involved. And this dynamic actually works very well. I don't know anything about Series 2 at all. Uh, my jumping on point is really sort of, well, to be honest, Diana Riggs. So we're a few series off yet. I've seen a couple of Honor Blackman episodes but again, not enough to get a feel for it. So, And Series 2 on a Blackman is different to Series 3 on a Blackman. Well, I'm sort of getting that idea that Series 2 is this sort of bridge between this serious style and the quirky style. 
Although you do see, you do start to see some quirkiness coming in in series one. So when we saw Girl on the Trapeze, right at the very beginning, go in and wait in her dressing room, and she goes in and she's kidnapped by a clown. That kind of quirkiness is is a little bit of foreshadowing of what's going to come in later series. And there are other elements of that in the in the first series that we'll come on to later. Do you have any alumni for us in this episode? Well, there is one who alumnus in this. Oh. Morris Good played Phineas Clanton in The Gunfighters. <laughs> oh, that well-known classic. He also turns up in an episode of The New Avengers and two further episodes of The Avengers. And he played Sergeant Cleghorn in the Quatermass and the Pit film. Nicholas Selby, um, who you were talking about earlier, having been... Um, Preston. Yeah, and, and having proved to be Preston later on. Because uh, on, in the Dave Rogers book, it says unknown. He played Arthur Ballantyne in the Sex and Violence episode of Doomwatch. As well as being a, a telefantasy classic, it's also notable by the fact that it, was, it wasn't it was transmitted until 2016, although it was actually made in 1972. Oh, you can't leave me hanging there. Why was that? What I always understood it to be was that it used footage of a genuine military execution. So it showed somebody on uh, on screen who properly died. Not Whether that's the actual execution. Yes. Just the, oh, my God. Right. Whether that's the reason or whether it was just because it, it's a really powerful episode. Really powerful. It's truth. And whether that was the reason. and But it still exists. It's one of the very few season three surviving um, Doom Watches. So we can do that at some point. Um, he was also in, oh, in lots of other things. He was in Strange Reports. He was in Callum. He was one of the the regulars in Compact. But the, the Doom Watch is particularly interesting. Yeah, it sounds it. Uh, that's one to revisit in the future. Melissa Stribling was in a whole raft of Hammer films and again turns up in another episode of The Avengers and an episode of The New Avengers. But the most entertaining of the lot is the Irish actor Jerry Duggan, who moved to Australia and appeared in number 96, the 70s soap opera, in The Lost Islands, which I remember very fondly as a kid, in Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Oh. But the best of all... He played Professor Poopsnaggle in Professor Poopsnaggle's Steam Zeppelin in 1985. That's a name to conjure with. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't have to have. You just have to luxuriate in the name Professor Poopsnaggle. Don't I'm come into this podcast luxuriating everywhere. <sighs> I have no idea what Professor Poopsnaggle's Steam Zeppelin was about. Drugs, I assume, were involved at some point, but and borderline illegal sexual fantasies. One, shall we move away from this? Can we invite Diana Rigg here? Watch out, diabolical masterminds! What are we going to rate this in masterminds? I'm going to give it a four. I I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. I hovered between four and three because I thought. Is it really anything that special? And to no, be honest... but it's really entertaining. It is. It's... Uh, bear in mind, this is based solely on the Big Finish version. We know nothing about the TV version, really. So what we're getting is effectively a brand new Avengers episode. This was really good. It's hats off to Justin Richards for this one. 
I loved this one. It's four out of five. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Is this the last one where there wasn't a where there isn't a script to work from? Uh without looking at my notes, I couldn't tell you, but things start to shift from here on in because this is the first one that was broadcast fortnightly. And uh from here on in things seem to start being archived a little bit differently so i don't know there are a couple later on sort of in the uh, episodes 20 to 26 i think there are two or three where there are gaps with certainly production stills and things because there's been no reconstructions of them uh which hints to me that there's there were script gaps but i will come on to those in more detail at the time but next week, I know you're f- vaguely familiar with this one. It's Please Don't Feed the Animals next week. You're quite keen on this one, aren't you? I haven't listened to the Big Finish audio since they first came out, and I deliberately haven't re-listened to them prior to to doing these reviews, but I remember really enjoying this one and feeling that there was an element of sort of quirk and whimsy coming in that we haven't really seen in season one of Avengers before. And as always, it's really well worth your while hunting down the uh, the big Finnish audios to have have a listen. This, as with all of the others, you'll really enjoy. But that's all about Please Don't Feed the Animals, which is what we're doing next week. But until then, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for staying the course with us. We'll be back next week. They'll be back. You can depend on it. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, with thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions, and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. Come and get those kinky boots, boots, kinky boots. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.